The last time Kinsey Middleton was on the show, she had made one of the biggest introductions you can make in this sport. In her debut marathon, she became the 2018 Canadian Marathon Champion at the Scotia-Toronto Waterfront Marathon with a notable time of 2.32.09. Now, with a monster debut like that, people noticed, and expectations were high, not just from the fans of the sport, but from Kinsey herself. What happened next is what happens in all of our lives, though. There are some high points as well as some low points. Kinsey returned to Toronto in 2019, and things didn't go quite as well. And while she did PB earlier this year in the half marathon with a time of 71.48, she was laid up for a bit of time halfway through the year, recovering from an overdue shoulder surgery. Kinsey is back now, though, running big miles, taking out huge workouts, and she now has her eyes on the start line of the Stacked Marathon Project, running next month, December 20th, in Arizona, with some very ambitious time goals. Kinsey joins us on this week's episode. You're listening to The Terminal Mile. My name is Michael Rokas. All right, 2020 has been just such a weird year for you. Uh, You have a half marathon PB this year, which I don't think a lot of people can say just out of uh, a lack of opportunity, but you've, you've also, uh, you know, had some surgery along the way. Uh, You know, you're, you're trying new things with a a new old coach, all the, all that sort of stuff. But what is kind of interesting right now is you're in, you're in Idaho right now, which is south of most of where Canada is, but describe to me what, what the weather conditions have been for your training this past week. The past week, we've been dealt with quite a bit of snow and um, just very below freezing temperatures and extremely lots of wind, too. So just kind of the trifecta of rough running conditions. But then we'll have like some days that are super nice out. And so I'm just trying to hold on to those days that are starting to be fewer and far in between. Yeah, as, as I was telling you before, I mean, like up here, you know, it's like eight, nine degrees and I'm, I'm sure it's not that way for, for the place that's a little more in, in line with, uh, with where you are. Uh, but yeah, no, completely different weather. One place that, that I do want to get started is, uh, you know, I think you took a little bit of time off earlier this year, uh, back in, back in June, you, you got, uh, your shoulder surgery. Did, did you take, did you have to take a lot, a lot of time off? Did you have to interrupt a lot of training, uh, to get that taken care of? Yeah. So actually I had already taken, um, it had already been affecting training for a while. Um, I actually had had like neck and shoulder pain intermittently and, kind of felt like I wasn't able to train as my best self all the way from um, the sun run. I remember like the very first time I felt super serious shoulder pain was 2019 sun run. So that must've been in like March or something. And then just for like months after that, kind of intermittently, I would just get these like spurts of really serious pain, but I didn't really know what it was for a while. I almost thought that I just like slept funny on my neck and that was just causing spasming down my shoulder. Kind of didn't really know. And then um, this past, right after the mar- the Toronto Marathon this year, it was another really bad um, episode of it. And I missed quite a bit of training in December um, of last year, almost a year ago today. So much so that I almost didn't even race the Houston um, half marathon in January. But um, I just right before that race got a cortisone shot in my shoulder. The uh, doctor I was seeing here was like, well, let's just see if this like helps at all. Like kind of a shot in the dark, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> um, 
And that was the only way I was able to actually race Houston pain-free because I had missed so much training leading up to it. And then that was kind of like the wake-up call. Oh, yeah, it definitely is a shoulder issue. But the thing about cortisone shots is they wear off. (laughs) And so that wore off about June. No, actually before June, probably like May of this year it wore off. And so that's when I got an MRI and found out that I – actually had torn my rotator cuff and my doctor thought that it was actually from my running form believe it or not like it was actually running that caused a tear in my shoulder Hmm. not crazy (laughs) yeah wow so you know i I was i was gonna ask you because you you had a very big spring plan where you're going to to run in new york you're gonna run in in London, if I'm not mistaken, at uh, you're you're going to run a, a world major uh, this this past spring. Of course, that all got canceled. I, and I was I was wondering if you know the, all this you know unplanned downtime, if that led you to you know really considering the surgery and, and getting that fixed up because you have that time this year. Yes, that's almost exactly how it happened. I remember. Uh, after I got the cortisone shot and just being like pain free from like January, February, March, that was probably the first time I'd been training consistently pain free for like over a year at that point. And it was like the best training I had put together ever in my life. I was so fit. I was so excited to run the half in New York and then to go race the London marathon. I was really excited to do something special in London. Um, and then when everything just started getting canceled, right around that time was when um, I started, you know, feeling a little bit of shoulder pain again. And so it was almost like, like, it was almost like the perfect, like as, as awful as it was, and as disappointed as I was to have so many things canceled, it was honestly like, I can't imagine another year where it would have been possible to get surgery like that and not have to worry about missing so much races, so many races, you know? Oh, for sure. For sure. So Talk to me a little bit about, you know, coming back from surgery uh, to finding out that there would be a chance to to race and, and a chance that, that you are, you're actually going to, to take and running in, in the marathon project. You know, when did when did that come about? Yeah, so that um, I feel like it all happened so fast. I got surgery in the end of June and then I didn't run for um, quite a few weeks. I think it was like four weeks totally off but I was like walking really long walks I really like doing everything I could that wasn't like related to my shoulder um and then like just slowly started training again and at that point my goal was to run a marathon in January of 2021 in Houston that was we I'd seen Melindy obviously just absolutely crush it on that course and so I was like oh that's gonna be my race that's like, I knew I had like a long enough timeline from, um, you know, starting from ground zero up to that. Um, and then just more and more races starting canceled even into, um, winter and, um, next spring already. And so I started to get a little nervous and then the marathon project showed up as an option for a race. And I talking to my coach, and I was like, I know this is a lot sooner than we were anticipating, but like, do you think it would be possible? Like, is there any chance I could be fit enough to like run well at this race? Cause there's just such few opportunities right now. And he is like just such a great coach. And he actually like sat down and planned out what 
um, a buildup to this marathon would look like if it would be possible for more. Cause like I was not like very fit when I was asking this question, like it was the time I wanted to run was like out of the question right at that point. And so, um, he just like kind of put together what that plan might look like and whether or not it would be feasible. And he's like, you know what? I think, I think it, if it went absolutely perfectly, it might just work. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, let's sign up. Let's do it. And so it was definitely like on a whim. And one of those things where it's like, you don't know until you try, but there's just, yeah, such few opportunities that you kind of have to jump on them in this day and age. You know, t- taking a look at, uh, at your Strava, which of course people can, can find on Strava by, by searching Kinsey Middleton, you had a, a monster of a workout this week, uh, 14 miles of, of work at 538 mile pace. Uh, you know, for, for those keeping track, that would roughly translate into a, to a 226 marathon. You know, I, I'd, that looks really great, but I have to ask you, especially after that last answer, how are things in the buildup going? Are, are things kind of where you expect it to be at this point? Yeah. So that the whole, my mindset for this whole buildup was like, run the fitness you're at, not the fitness that you like want to be at, right? Like don't force anything, just kind of like run where you're at and like fitness will come. It'll like come over time as you're putting in the work. And, um, that workout was probably the first time where I was like, Oh, I see a little bit of that like springtime fitness that I had, um, last year. That was so like, I had just, yeah, never touched on that type of fitness before. And so it was really cool to see, um, a workout that was faster than I've been running in a while, but also I have been trying to challenge myself more. So instead of just running like super flat, easy, um, courses where I kind of set a whole bunch of personal best this um, past spring by myself on the um, this local bike path, I was like, you know what? No, I I think I'm just going to play the comparison game too much if I go and I just do that exact same course um, day in and day out with these new workouts where I know I'm not quite where I was at this spring. So let's do it around my neighborhood where it's hilly, where it's more challenging, where you're not incredibly focused about the splits and everything and you can kind of really hone in on that effort and so to be running like uh times that I'm hoping to run you know to at the marathon um on that more challenging terrain has been such an exciting development I'm like okay the fitness is coming around slowly but surely you know that there's a whole lot to be to be gathered from that lesson what what I'm really hearing though is that you've You've learned quite a bit from from even the first time that we talked after you after you just finished your debut or you became a you know a national champion. Uh, I can't help but think of a year ago when when you're you know running at to, at the Scotia Toronto Waterfront uh, Marathon and and that day didn't quite go exactly how you planned it to go. I think there is a lot of value to be had from, you know, a marathon not exactly going to plan though. Was, you know, what were some of the big lessons that you took home from it? Yeah, that so much went wrong. (laughs) 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 Um, One of the biggest lessons from that one was um, I just was really uh, naive about fueling at that point. And I think I had switched what, um, drink I was going to, or what type of fueling I was going to do four or five times during the buildup and had practiced. I ended up using Morton, but I had practiced that like literally only one other time and my stomach hadn't responded well that other time, but I was like, Oh, it'll be fine in a race. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, 
And so I was actually like, I couldn't keep my fluids down around. I felt great until halfway through the race. And then I started um, throwing up a little bit and couldn't keep my fluids down. Didn't take any more fuel after I think like 25 K. And at that point I felt like I was like just walking to the finish. Like I was just so depleted in my stomach. Like, so my stomach was cramping. It couldn't keep anything down. And then just when I, finally I don't even know how I finished to be honest but when I did finish my husband had to carry me from the finish line back to the um uh the elite athlete area and it was just like so so terrible like every literally everything had gone wrong that race but yes you do learn from that quite a bit You know, what, what were some of, some of the big lessons, you know, was it, was it, you know, it sounds like a lot of little details were kind of realized along the way there or, you know, what, what was the real take home for you? Yeah, there were so many. I think you, I, I think I honestly went into that race with so much pressure on myself because of how well my debut had gone. Um, I, I wasn't going into it with as much like just excitement to be there and excitement for the opportunity to be healthy and ready to race. It was more like you have, this is expected of you. You need to go run, like you need to go win or else like it's a failure of a day or all that. Um, and I just never run well when that's what um, my mindset is going into something. And so a big takeaway from that and honestly, like going through surgery and like everything this year, it's just made me, twofold appreciate how much um how much you really do need to live in the moment and be appreciative of being healthy enough to go out and run and to run the best that your body is capable of because that's really is all you can control and so I think the biggest thing was definitely um honing in on fueling for the future like just so much more scientifically approaching that and making sure that my body is like primed to not be so um, terribly upset in a marathon. And then the second one is just that mindset of um, getting your mental, um, your mental fitness to be like at the same level as your physical fitness. Cause I think sometimes we as athletes are so focused on getting our body ready that like our mind hasn't caught up. And I think that was something I was guilty of last year was I was, just so in my head and I wasn't ready to like really perform at the level that necessarily my physical fitness was ready to perform at. And so I just really want to remedy that at my next marathon. You know, it wasn't that long uh, after that, that you, uh, you switched, uh, you switched coaches back to, uh, or with a new coach, a new old coach, uh, Travis, Travis Floick. Uh, he was your, your coach at, at Idaho. You know, I've, I've noticed that, the last time that we talked with uh, with your with your old coach, you were doing incredibly big workouts there as well, like 30, 35 kilometers worth of work in, in some cases. I noticed with uh, with your new old coach, there's also a lot of really, really big workouts with a lot of heavy lifting as well. Is that is that something that you think that you, you know, really thrive off of? And is that something that that's always like you've always really responded well to? Yes, I definitely think that, um, like, it sounds so weird to say, but I think that my body, like, responds better to higher mileage than lower mileage. Like, I actually 
just feel like I've got more energy when I'm running like 130 miles a week than I do when I'm running like 90, which is crazy to think about. But that's just like how uh, my body seems to really adapt and respond well. But a big change that um, Travis has done with me during the last marathon buildup and then this one as well is um, we do nine day cycles. So it's like easy mileage, easy mileage, workout day, easy mileage, easy mileage, workout day, easy mileage, easy mileage, long run. Mm -hmm. And structuring it that way just allows us to really attack the long runs, um, which I really think has been like instrumental in helping me um, reach like a new level. Because before I was doing two workouts and a long run all like in one week. And it's really taxing on the body to fit that much into seven days. But when you space it out over nine days, it just becomes a little bit, it's like a tiny bit less intensity, but it almost allows you to push it harder on each of those three key days. I've really liked doing that. Oh yeah. And you know, just take a look at, at your training. It looks like there's, there's quite a few days where, um, you know, you, you mentioned you're, you're doing these big mileage days and stuff, but some days that those are just coming in the forms of, of singles and not doubles. Is that, is that something that he really pushes as well too? Yeah, definitely. He likes the day after long runs or workouts to just be a single, um, easy day, whether that's 10 miles or a medium long run day of, uh, 12 to 14 miles. And then the day after that to be a double day splitting up the mileage. And so on the days where it's like just an easy 10 mile day, that almost feels like a day off in this training right now. <laughs> you know, you, uh, you mentioned the pressure that, that comes after, you know, a strong debut, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, of pressure and, you know, no doubt those Olympic dreams are still there and, you know, Tokyo, Tokyo 2021, yeah. Coming up increasingly fast, I, I guess now, you know, take a take a look at the at the field. It's 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 gotten a lot more crowded than than when you made your debut. In that there there's a whole lot more people, you know, challenging for those spots. And and some of those spots, you know, they they almost seem like locks now. What's interesting is that at the marathon project, which you will be racing later on this year, you know, you're going to be seeing a lot of those people again. You know, and Rachel Cliff, she's going to be there. Emily Setlack's going to be there. Uh, and Natasha Wodak is is going to be there, with the exception of you know Melinda Elmore and uh, and Dana not being there. That that's uh, that's got to be a pretty interesting dynamic. Is is that something that that you've thought about at this point? Oh yeah, I'm actually uh, going to be staying with Natasha Wodak and Emily Setlack. We're sharing a little Airbnb on our way down there, so um, we definitely thrive I think um just like inspiring each other to want to do better I think that that's something that's really unique to Canadian distance running is that we all really do like want each other to succeed and want um like it's just really exciting to see Canadian distance running continually get deeper and better and better and to be just a small part of that is so exciting and humbling and as you said, like it just keeps getting so much deeper, which is so like, it just makes you want to get better. And so I think that's probably like something that's really actually inspired me to be like, Oh wow. Well, like I can race with all these women. If I can race with them and they're getting faster then that means that I can chase these same dreams. And it's almost just like a ripple effect of 
we can all build each other up and get faster together, which is really cool, I think. One person I forgot to mention in there, and I, I definitely don't want to, to leave them out, was uh, was Lindsay Tessier. And, uh, um, he, you know, I, I definitely want to bring her up because her, yourself, and, and Natasha, that you guys seem to have uh, a very, you know, special special sort of connection and that you guys seem to to talk and collaborate quite a bit uh it was it was a bit of a, a shock to see natasha uh you know on on the start list for the marathon she of course has raced one before but you know she's really seems to be in her wheelhouse uh with the uh, with the 10k have you uh, have you communicated a lot with her during this build-up and was it was it a bit of a surprise to you um, I actually knew that she'd been thinking about doing a marathon for a while now, just because we um, are pretty close. But um, I was so excited when she decided to do it because she was like messaging me like, do you think I could run this like volume and be ready to go? And I was like, yeah, do it. I actually remember texting her and telling her back when like I wasn't even going to do the marathon project because I was like, oh, that's way too soon for me. I could never be ready. Um, she was like, oh gosh, maybe I should do it. I don't know. And I was like, you should definitely do it. You're like so fit right now. Look at how fast you just ran. Um, and so I remember just totally encouraging her to take that, to sign up and do it. And seeing just how fast she's been running some of these workouts, it's really exciting. I think that she's going to surprise a lot of people and run really, really well. And, you know, I'm excited to line up with her and hopefully can both run some fast times together. You know, one of uh, one of one of your old coaches. Uh, you know, when you were with the the Hanson Project, I remember listening to this interview with with, uh, with Des Linden, and she she talked about you know how the Hansons would used to you know recreate uh, you know different marathon courses and stuff for for their athletes to to train on. With that being said, how have you seen, you know, how this, uh, how this marathon is going to shake out? You know, what have you done specifically to prepare yourself for the marathon project, uh, for the course? And, and is it, it almost seems like a little bit of a mystery at this point. No. Yeah. It's really interesting. The, the key thing that the Hansons did whenever they're, um, prepping an athlete for a marathon is they'll do a 26.2 K workout rather than, um, 22, 26.2 miles. And they'll try to formulate that to be um, really similar to what that marathon is going to be. So it'll have like lots of turns. If it's a marathon, there's a lot of turns and all that stuff. And I think that it really does help the athlete prepare. And um, I was actually just talking to my coach about that because one thing that is super unique to this marathon is um, it's a loop course. So it's 4.3 mile loops, but there's um, like you go around these roundabouts to turn around. So it's almost like, um, like they're apparently very forgiving turns, but there are a lot of turns in it. And so I was talking to my coach and he's like, Hey, we've got to find somewhere where you can run. Um, you can practice like simulating, not like losing momentum running through those type of, um, turns. And so we're like scouting around the area where I could do workouts where that's included. So it's, it's funny how you do have to prep your body for different, um, different things to make sure it's ready to go on race day. One thing uh, I'm interested in, and I'm sure a lot of other people are interested in as well, is that, uh, you know, you don't 
have a, a shoe sponsor right now, if I'm not mistaken. However, the market is is really full with uh, you know quite a few of the of the super shoes and, and stuff. Now, what have you uh, what have you tried out, and and what do you think you're going to be using December twentieth? That's a great question. And before this week, I would have been pretty sure that I was going to run in the Nike next percent. I have tried the Alpha Flies, and they're a little like. A little bit of too much of a super shoe for me. <laughs> I almost felt like I was going to fall over. <laughs> um, but I actually just got a pair of the Saucony Endorphin Pros, I think, last week. Mm-hmm. And just tried them on for a workout I had on later this week. It was like three by three miles and then two by a mile faster. And I felt like really good wearing those. And so I think I might wear those ones. Like they really surprised me. They, they feel great. They feel like a fast shoe, but they don't feel like anything like unstable or like I'm running on stilts or anything like that. (laughs) I actually really, really liked them. All right. So, you know, a little over a month to go until the, the big race day, um, you know what 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 do your workout plans look like between then and now? What what what's going to be the the big focus? What are the big milestones and workouts that you want to hit between now and then? Ooh, great question. Well, on Sunday I have a twenty six mile long run, <laughs> so Ooh. that'll be a big one. Um, that one's just going to be like time on my feet and practicing um, fueling and everything during that. But then um, some other key ones I'll do four to five by five K. Um, so it's a little bit less than I think I told you before my debut marathon, I did seven by five K as a workout, but we found that that about 25 K worth of work seems to really, um, just work for me without being too much, like too, too much in the tank where it's almost like you're peaking at that workout rather than at the race. And so fine tuned that a little bit. And then actually we my coach is kind of reformulating what'll come after that four to five by five K because he's like, wow, you're like ahead of where I thought you'd be. So we think we need to um, add another key workout in there. And so TBD on what that'll be, but I'm excited to see what he comes up with. All right. It's December 20th. Kinsey Middleton, a Canadian marathon champion, will be towing the line with the likes of Rachel Cliff, Emily Sedlak and Natasha Wodak at the marathon project. Very, very excited to uh, to see how this one goes down. It's been a wild year, and uh, hopefully you can make it a little bit wilder uh, on December 20th. I'm sure a lot of questions will be answered on that day. Yes, I can't wait. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> uh, thanks a lot for, for being on the show this week. Really appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate being here. I cannot wait to see Kinsey race the Marathon Project next month. Huge thanks to her for being on. Hey, if you dig this show, like, subscribe, and all that good stuff, and most of all, share us with your teammates. It's really how we can grow and keep this thing going. We're at The Terminal Mile on both Twitter and Instagram. Thanks to you for listening. This has been The Terminal Mile. My name is Michael Rokas, and remember, support your local Twilight mate.